fullback belly. Three tight ends, including Haydner. Kuhn is the fullback with the first and goal. Kuhn gets the ball. Pile To the latest episode of the Fantasy Fullback Dive brought to you by the, the Rose Street Journal. The Fantasy Football Dive acting as your lead blocker to fantasy excellence, paving the way to fantasy glory and everything in between. Well, hopefully not too much in between. Hopefully just all the good stuff. I, of course, am your host, Nat the Truth Jones, and we are on episode seven of eight, breaking down all the divisions of the NFL. We did the really just pathetic AFC East yesterday. We are going to be doing the much less pathetic AFC North today, which I'm pretty excited about. And joining me as always, the Wolf of Roto Street himself. How you doing, Wolf? I'm doing good. Got the the new haircut, you know, feeling good today, getting ready for the first day of school coming up next week. Good Lord. I think you said your kid has their their first day today, right? Yeah, uh, both my kids. I got. Oh, I, I can't go too too long over today for because I actually have responsibilities. But we've been pretty tight this week, so I'm not too worried about it. Uh, I'm sure we'll kill it as always, man. But I'm doing great. Ready to? I, I can't believe we're almost done with the series. It seems like we just started it yesterday. We got two more for you here. AFC North today, AFC South tomorrow, with lots of big changes coming for the Jags in particular after some big news. Sony Michelle getting traded to the Rams. I mean, every single day there has just been something else crazy to happen that changes up the rankings, which I love, but it's madness. And it's, it's excellent. It's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, we've had uh, a couple quarterbacks named, and I'm, we're going to do our best to stay away from those stories on this pod just because we're sticking with the division. So unless it affects one of them directly, uh, we'll probably ignore that right by and large this week but trust me we know about it and uh, it'll be on other pods and we will be really diving deep into pretty much everything that's going on risers fallers everything like that uh starting uh next week when we're doing our pods together on something else exactly and i've been making my updates to every projection so sony michelle's a great example going to the rams i updated the the projections today so if you go back and watch that episode, it's not going to be quite as valuable as if you can get the projections, which they will be on the site starting, I believe, at the end of this week, at latest on Monday uh, for the smooth price of 20 to get the investing guide and those projections. They'll be available for like 10 bucks each if you don't really want one or the other. But still, they'll be up there. And that's why that's why every day I know you texted it like you change your projections again right before we go live. They're always updating. So as good as this show is going to be, and I, I appreciate you guys being here and watching it. The most up-to-date projections, day by day, I'm looking at them, minute by minute at this rate. Uh, So just make sure to check those out once they officially launch on the site uh, starting late this week or early next week. Just to be clear, uh, big picture, I like that you're changing them all the time. Uh, This is the life that I signed up for. So, (laughs) uh, you know, it's not like it was a shock. I'm glad that you're putting in the work. All right, we're going to get right into the AFC North. And like I said, this is, a, in my opinion, a far superior division to the one we did yesterday. Uh, Not just real football, but fantasy as well, which is what we're going to be concentrating on. And we're going to start with the Baltimore Ravens, always an interesting squad. Uh, You know, you start at the top with Lamar Jackson. You got him. These numbers I found really interesting. I'm just going to put out uh, 261 out of 440. That's 3,400 yards in the air, 33 touchdowns to nine picks, which is really good in my opinion the 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 touchdowns to picks numbers and then you got 186 rushes for almost 1200 yards and another eight touchdowns that good enough for your qb3 projection wise qb4 on the big board 
Yeah, what's to say about this guy other than you got to love he's, He defines Konami code. This is when you picture a Russian quarterback who the first guy should come to mind is Lamar Jackson. A, a, a good running back number, and I believe that's in line with his career so far. Last year, he would have been a top 12 fantasy running back on right. just his rushing stats, never mind the goodness you get through the air. And that's really where it could go one of two ways is through the air, right? The two defenses figure him out. That's kind of been the big talk these last couple of weeks is our defenders finally going to be figuring out Lamar Jackson. Is this offense going to be easier to stop or is he going to take it to the next level? I was in the impression that he would go to the next level because of Rashad Bateman, a Stefan Diggs style possession receiver that can move the chains, use his big frame to box out defenders, kind of be that go-to when things break down. Really all the other weapons around him are just speedsters that are great for the occasional big play, but no true dependable possession guy. Unfortunately, Bateman does have a groin injury, which we'll talk about when we get to the receivers in a little bit. So that makes me a little more nervous that we might get just more of the same with Lamar, which at the end of the day isn't such a bad thing. Now, of course, he was the league MVP, fantasy MVP just two seasons ago, only was like the quarterback, what, eight to 10. But last at the end of the season, it seemed like he finally got his groove back, had a string that he was the highest scoring quarterback for those last three weeks. I'm hoping he picks it up right there. Plus, you can get him after the Josh Allens, after Mahomes, usually about a round or two below those guys. And he has all the upside, as we saw just a couple seasons ago, to beat them and beat everybody in fantasy football. I'm hesitant on Jackson. I'm going to be honest. I, I love watching him play. I, you know, he's clearly one of the upper tier guys. I'm not sure I would put him quite this high. I just, I was real put off by what I saw last year. Now, the rushing is, you, you, can't argue with it. It's there. And I mean, you know, one thing is you could say if you're going to rush 186 times, there's a chance you're going to get hurt somewhere along the way. Well, obviously we're not necessarily building that into these predictions, but I'm just a little skeptical because I don't like his wide receivers. Like you got, it's it's an interesting division because we're going to break down four different receiver groups. And this one, uh, we're going to get to these. You know what? I'm going to jump right to receivers right now because it relates to Lamar and we'll come back to the running backs. We got Rashad Bateman, uh, who you just talked about, 53 catches for 678, six touchdowns on 79 targets. Hollywood Brown, the bane of my existence, who I used to love, <laughs> 50 catches for 750. It's a 15-yard-a-catch clip, which I, sounds about right to me. Seven touchdowns on 79 targets. And then Sammy Watkins, who clearly will blow up in week one, uh, 50 catches, 675, and six touchdowns on 84 targets. You know, that's a pretty evenly split aerial pie among those three guys. They're all good receivers. None of them blow me away. I just don't know. Is there anyone there really moving the needle? You've got them ranked Hollywood 53, uh, Bateman 62, and Watkins 63 on your projections board. Big board, you got them all right around the same. I mean, the highest guy you like is Hollywood at 63, Bateman 65, Watkins 69. I just don't know. I mean, you got them 33 touchdowns, nine interceptions, and the guy you like best in the receiving core, not counting Mark Andrews, who I, I grant is a big factor the best guy you like, you'd take 63rd. Yeah, that's what's tough with Lamar and everybody in general. And the fact that it is the smallest, if I'm scrolling over here, as you can see, 440 pass attempts to 600 rush attempts. That's a 58 to 42% rush and pass ratio. You never see offenses like that besides Greg Roman and these Ravens. So it is not the most delicious aerial pie. It's certainly the smallest. It's not coming from the best of arms in the league. And now there's all these different mouths. They bring in, as you said, Bateman Watkins to go with Marquise Brown. 
I think Bateman by far, if he was healthy, good to go. I was so intrigued to see what type of element he brings. Craig Roman's offense is typically thrived with a Michael Crabtree with, uh, you know, they, they need a big body guy and Anquan Bolden over his time too. They haven't had that. And that's what Bateman was supposed to bring that possession style thing. So I really was excited to see what that did for Lamar, but also for Bateman. Unfortunately, again, six to eight weeks, he's going to miss with that groin injury that would have him coming back right around the beginning of October, all the way to the end. If it's the later side of the prognosis, that that's not great. So exactly. Even if I love Lamar, he's one of the few quarterbacks. When you think about like daily fantasy best balls that, you can draft and then not really have to take any of his weapons and worry about stacking them. Because even if I like Marquise Brown to have the best stats out of these guys, given Bateman's injury, I don't think, and we've seen this with Hollywood now, it's going to be one of those things that you can be like, every single week I need Hollywood in my lineup. It's going to be one of those things you put him in and he gets you zero. You bench him, he gets you 30. It's so tough to predict on a week-to-week basis. So as a whole, I think they'll be good. Again, six, seven, six touchdowns for his receivers, not horrible stats. Good luck figuring out which weeks that's going to be, though. Right. And at the end of the day, even though like these these projections are not in stone or anything like that, at the end of the day, when you're talking about daily fantasy stacking stuff like that, there's 60 guys you like more than any of these dudes. So, you know, go. So and let's. All right. But, you know, now I'm going to, you know, now I'm going to go against myself a little bit and go with you, which is we're talking about maybe 1200 yards and eight touchdowns on the ground for this guy. And let's, let's compare that to the actual running backs on the team. You got JK Dobbins, 232 rushes for right around 1200 yards, right around the same and eight touchdowns. So you got Lamar's passing numbers, which I'm a little skeptical of, but his rushing numbers are the same as their RB one, which who is a guy that you project to go like 18, 19 on your projections, big board. So that's, not terrible for your quarterback for bonus numbers, um, adding 30 catches, 200 yards, two touchdowns. Then we got Gus, the bus. Uh, you've got him at 162 carries, 810 yards, six touchdowns, like five yards of carry clip 41 on your projection list. You like him a little more on the big board at 33. Yeah, it's exactly like you said. That's kind of why I'm a little lower on Dobbins is him and Lamar are projected for just about the same rushing stats. Lamar is a complete goal line vulture, similar to Josh Allen in that sense. So Dobbins, when he scores, they'll give him an t- attempt every now and again. But if he doesn't get stuffed on that first one, usually they're going to do some sort of bootleg or get Lamar involved in there. So the touchdown ceiling, I think, is capped, especially given I, I don't expect there to be any consistency between him and Edwards as to who is that goal line guy. If anyone, it would be more so to be Edwards, 300, 300 pound, no, 230 pound steamrolling bus there, Gus the bus. I am a little bit down on Dobbins compared to the rest of the industry having him at 19 right now because of the Lamar concern, but also because of the pass catching concern. As you see, I don't have either of these running backs going for over 200 passing yards, going for more than 31 targets. The most targets that a Lamar Jackson running back has seen was Mark Ingram two seasons ago with 28. There's just not going to be much receiving upside in their preseason game. Gus Edwards played more third down snaps than J.K. Dobbins. There's all this talk. Dobbins going to get so much more receiving work this year. And he's blossoming as a receiver. Well, why aren't we, I mean, maybe this preseason, they don't want to show it, but also why don't get him in there so he can pass protect and get some reps in there. Why would you take him out for Gus Edwards? So to me, the way I'm approaching that backfield is kind of avoiding Dobbins at his price. If he falls to round four, which doesn't really happen, then okay, I'll, I'll consider it. But usually I'll go, you know, guys going after him, Carson, Montgomery, now James Robinson ahead of J.K. Dobbins, in my opinion. And instead, I like to go into Gus Edwards. Again, it's the biggest ground pie in the NFL. I want a piece of it. 
Give me 12th round Gus Edwards, who I think won't be all that far off from J.K. Dobbins. I think both will be hyper-efficient. They were both top 10 in yards per carry. Again, that's the threat that Lamar creates in this run-obsessed scheme. I'll go for the cheapest piece of it, kind of like the way you often will attack the Patriots running backs. I'll go for the cheapest piece in Gus Edwards there. All right, last but not least, we're going to go to the most standout player in the fantasy offense, except for Lamar himself, and that's Mark Andrews at tight end. 68 catches, 850 yards, nine touchdowns is what you're projecting, and that's on 106 targets. So he will be getting, by a pretty substantial margin, the most targets of anybody in the passing game. That's good enough for tight end six on both of your lists. Yeah, and the upside really is there for more. The more and more these injuries linger, Marquise Brown has been out of practice. Sammy Watkins, of course, is hurt, as he always is. And we know Bateman having surgery. There's no one for Lamar. Who's like their receiver six? Miles Boykin and Devin Duvernay, I think, are their names. That was was a flex, man. I was not expecting you to actually come up with a name. Approach? I got them all in that. Come on. I'm a psycho. You know this. I'm a robot. Off the top of your head, though? Good for you. Well done. (laughs) I'm a robot at this point. But Mark Andrews is by far the the only guy I would even consider before round 10 in this passing attack. He's steady. I mean, he was the tight end, too, just two seasons ago. Kind of dipped last year alongside Lamar. There is the risk we get that same exact Lamar, same Mark Andrews. But with all these wide receivers hurt, 106 would be his career high in targets. He had 99 the year he broke out big. In 17 games, I could totally see him going well over 100 there. The touchdown upside could be sky high. He is such a dynamite threat down the seams, a a big play tight end. And all the reports in camp, guys unguardable, destroying everyone. We see that often with Mark Andrews. All the reports say he's unguardable. And in the games, he often is too. So I really like Mark Andrews to lead this team in receiving yards, touchdowns, catches, targets. He'll pace the attack. He's a great investment if you miss out on Hawkins and round Hawkinson round five, six in that area. I, I love him. He's kind of like that. It goes him in a tier with Hawkinson, Logan Thomas by himself. And then I don't really want anybody after that. So he's kind of the guy before. Where you do you put Thomas. Pitts in that group? Where do I put who? Where do you put Pitts in that group? He's in the same tier as Hawkinson and Andrews for me. Okay. I go Hawkinson, Pitts, Andrews. Most would go Pitts, Hawkinson, Andrews. Ahead uh, of I would Andrews. go Hawkinson's yeah. above Pitts. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, it's tricky. It's tricky. The upside, the highest upside of that tier is obviously Pitts. But I would say Andrews has the second most upside behind him in that tier, given what we've already seen from him, given the injuries around him, and just the fact that he's going to be the vein of this passing attack. All right, we're going to move on to the Bengals. This has already been more fun of a division to talk about than the one yesterday. Three uh, three more fantasy-worthy players like on that team alone than anybody in the division yesterday. Besides just about other than and Stephon Diggs. Right, uh, of course. Yes, all right, sure. let's talk Bengals. Led by Joe Burrow. Man, what a question mark this guy is. Yeah, I could, I could see just him falling completely flat on his face, and I could see him being amazing. Uh, yeah. I would probably lean a little more towards the fall in your face just because I don't think Cincinnati is going to be that good. But I honestly wouldn't be surprised with either result. You got him 413 out of 630 for over 4,500 yards, 32 touchdowns, 16 picks, adding 55 rushes for 220 and three touchdowns. I would really caution him to rush as little as possible. Given yeah. the injuries coming off 55 scares me right off the bat. Those numbers are good enough for 13 on your projection list and 15 on your big board. Yeah, that's uh, that's about right uh, with how I'm feeling about him. Before the preseason training camp started, I had this number significantly higher, 630 pass attempts. As a rookie, he was on pace for 40 attempts a game nearly. Uh, it would have been the most in the NFL last year, would have been the most by a rookie quarterback of all time had he been able to get healthy. But that was the, the 
it, the the rub there is the fact that he got we went hurt. They had no offensive line. They didn't really address it at all this year. And now he's tentative in camp. They're saying he's not really throwing it more than 10 yards down the field, that they, they just haven't been clicking on offense, that the defense has been swallowing them. And this isn't really that scary of a defense to be swallowing an offense. The good news is, like, as of this week, it sounds like the switch has kind of gone on for Burrow among his weapons as well, Chase and these guys. And he's he's starting to really pick the defense apart. And that's what you really want to start reading. So maybe I can bump these pass, pass numbers up just a little bit in terms of attempts. I had him originally right at like 670 to pace the league in attempts. But the fact that he was playing hurt, playing tentative in camp so far, maybe dial those numbers back a little bit. But still, as you said, it could go one of two ways. It could get hurt. It could be horrible. He could be rusty off the knee. Or he could pace the NFL in passing yards, TDs, because he has one of the best trios of receivers you could ever ask for. So a nice, like... I always say that, you know, Trey Lance plus a guy, you can go like Burrow, then Lance. I, I like that a lot. I do like that a lot. All right. Well, we're going to stick with what we did uh, with Baltimore. We're going to go right to the wide receivers because you referenced having three excellent receivers. And then we'll get back to the running back in a second. Like this receiving group, when I looked at your numbers and I looked at their projections and, and what you got on the big board, I was kind of taken aback. Not taken aback because I think you're wrong. Just kind of like it made me actually process the information that was there. You got Jamar Chase, 76 catches for almost 1,000 yards and eight touchdowns. That's on 126 targets. Then you got T. Higgins, 77 for almost 1,100 yards and nine touchdowns, also on 126 targets. And then you got Tyler Boyd, 83 catches, 913, seven touchdowns. That's on 120 targets. Those guys, you got respectively Higgins, 22 on the projections board, Chase, 28, Boyd, 32. And then on the big board, you like Higgins even a little bit. You like them all a little bit more. You like Boyd a little bit less. Higgins, you got his 20 on the big board, Chase, 28 again, and Boyd, 36. So your rankings are pretty consistent board to board. The fact is you got three guys in your 20 to mid-30s range. That's really good for a three receiving core. I would say that looking at the receiving cores in the league that I can think of off the top of my head, maybe Tampa Bay is right around there. And the Steelers who we're actually going to talk about later, have got three guys kind of flirting with that area too. And I'm not sure if anybody else does. Exactly. It's such a deadly trio net. And that's why I do hope Burrow is as healthy as he is. Cause if we get the enormous aerial pie we saw last year, it can easily sustain these three mouths and even potentially mixing through the air as well. But if they do dial it back, if they are conservative, then somebody's going to have to be on the chopping block here and I don't think it's going to be Higgins or Boyd, who he already has the rapport with. It might end up being Jamar Chase. I don't expect that. I think ultimately that all three of these guys have a nice seat at the table and one of the more voluminous offensive attacks through the air. And it's going to be fine for all of them. PPR-wise, Boyd, so safe, so steady, a little bit less exciting, less of, of a ceiling. But he can do it all. He's as complete a receiver as you can be. Uh, great red zone skill set. But Higgins is really the one I like the most. Big, long body, great down the seams amazing in the red zone. So if I really think this offense takes that next step in terms of points, they were great at racking up yardage and they just couldn't put it in quite often down when they get there. I think Higgins could be a huge part of that. They're saying he's looking more explosive, more dynamite, especially with the ball in his hands. That's kind of where he struggled last year as a rookie is after the catch didn't do a ton of damage, looking even better in that sense this year and year two. The the, The real wild card is definitely Jamar Chase. He has the potential to be the alpha, the number one. I mean, he was better than Justin Jefferson the last time he was on the field. He had Joe Burrow as his quarterback, racked up nearly 1,800 yards, like 20 TDs. It was insane. So that rapport is already there. He has the ability to be a true alpha above other good receivers around him. We've seen it already happen at the college level, but he's struggling with drops every day in practice. 
in the game last week, three, three targets, three drops. The Sunday after that, reporters were like laughing at how many drops this guy continued to have. It sounds like the last couple of days he's turned it on a ton and just everything is going in, contested catches, like something switched there, which I've been waiting to see. That was my concern with Jamar Chase is he's having these drops. He's having these issues about picking up the offense, and he seems so kind of nonchalant about it. Like, oh, yeah, it'll get there. It'll be fine. Like he had already earned it because he was the fifth overall pick. He's, he's already there. He was so good in college. He was already there. I mean, he was unstoppable, one of the best prospects to come in in the last five years. So he should be amazing. He could be the alpha and see 170 targets if he lives up to his ceiling. This is me betting on him coming along slow, as we've kind of seen. Uh, but maybe down the stretch, he becomes the most valuable of them all. You want to know the auction values in our draft for those three guys? Yeah, I think it's very helpful for anybody listening here. All right. Well, helpful or wacky. I don't know. You tell me. Uh, Tyler Boyd was the cheapest. He was 8 bucks. Good deal. Uh, T. Higgins was 11 bucks. I got him. Steal way too way too cheap. I know you got him, and I love it. You just wanted to brag about your your deal. No, I really well. That was half of it, but the other half was what? What do you think Chase went for? If you had to guess, oh, he's so buzzy. I bet you he went for like twenty something, right? Twenty two. Yeah, way too much. I paid half as much for Higgins. Right. Exactly. You got Higgins for a half fifty percent off. I think Higgins is going to outperform it at that price. So I felt I felt pretty good about that. Unbelievable steal, and I think that's a good note for you auctioners. Like Chase has buzz; he's going to be a big bid up there. Although the drops again starting to catch up, everybody's seeing that more. But still, yeah, he, he's buzzy. An early nomination could be very valuable with Chase there to get people to blow their money. Yep. All right, let's go to Mixon, who you referenced briefly. Maybe he can be a part of the aerial pie. On the ground, 274 rushes, 1,123 yards, and 10 touchdowns. That's to go along with 50 catches on 69 targets for 355 yards and two touchdowns. That's a pretty good stat line. You've got him as your RB14 on projections, 12 on the big board. Yeah, there's nothing talent-wise I don't like about Mixon. He's always been a fantastic player. It's just the consistency. Every year he seems to start with like three complete duds. You're already 0-3. You're in a hole because you own Mixon, and then you hate him. And then he'll have a 35-point day after you bench him to send a message. He sends you a message on your bench. He's been so tough to figure out, but a lot of that trickiness has been Gio Bernard, who is since departed. Bernard scurrying in for a random one-yard touchdown here, catching seven balls there. We won't have to worry about that. And already the offensive coordinator, Brian Callahan, has come out and said, that's Mixon, three-down roll. We're not in here for any type of load management. You know, we're we're going to ride this guy as much as we can. He's been the best player According to every single beat report you read, Mixon is the best player on the field every single day in practice. Really just seems to be taking his game to the next level. Falls to round two. I mean, that's one of those guys, alongside Antonio Gibson, in my opinion, Mixon's one of those round two running backs that has the potential to leap into the top three. Very few of those guys after you get out of the first round. Mixon is one of them. Obviously comes with injury risk himself, comes with the line is not that great, comes with the inconsistency risk of the past. But I do think getting that Bernard role all to himself now, being a true three down back in an offense that I think should hit the next level if Chase can really be that next guy that everybody thought he could be and that he has not been yet. A lot of ifs there. That's that's kind of what I'm getting at with Mixon. That's why he falls to round two, but certainly worth the investment, in my opinion, at that point, mid-round two. Love that. I, I have seventh overall. I kind of want to go either Kelsey or Adams, whichever one comes to me, get Mixon. If Gibson doesn't fall, get Mixon and have a shot at a top five running back in round two. If he pans out, you win your league. Yeah, he's burned me before, man. It's a tough, it's a tough I, ask. I mean, I the way you described him was perfect at the beginning. Oh, three does. You're waiting for him, and he's like putting up seven points a game or something like that. Next thing you know, you're one and two, oh, and three. 
Then any and then you know when you're basically eliminated later on in the year, it gets you a couple games, and it's like so it brings his stats up to a respectable level. I don't know. Yeah. And I think anyway. this is the year that that finally steadies out, and you just get a consistent twelve at worst. Like the thirty point days still coming in every now and again. I think the floor is really going to be raised this year. If that's true, this is going to be such a tough division. Yeah. And I think it will. I think it's going to be one of the best, most entertaining divisions in football this year. All right. I'm looking forward to it. All right. Let's uh, spend four seconds on the tight end. Uh, CJ Uzuma, you've got him as your tight end 30 on the projection board, all the way down at 38 on the big board, 42 catches, 407 yards, two touchdowns on 57 targets. Is there anything worth talking about here? No, he ran some of the most routes among tight ends before he got hurt last year, but coming off an injury, wasn't really used on those routes, kind of like Ian Thomas last year. Just like a decoy getting out there. He's the guy you'd want if you really want a tight end late here, but you don't. You don't want a tight end. No need to spend any more time on him. All right. That was efficient. All right. Let's <laughs> move on to the Browns. I feel like I've been questioning more of your rankings today than I have the last few episodes. And so, I like uh, it. It's good. It's good discourse. All right. Let's see. Well, it's going to happen again. Uh, Cleveland Browns. Baker Mayfield, 326 out of 500. For almost 4,000 yards, 29 touchdowns, 10 picks. Good enough for 23 on your big board, all the way down at 27 on your projections board. I can't believe I'm in the position of defending Baker Mayfield, <laughs> who you just were so insufferable about when he was being drafted, and I was completely against him. The sad thing is that I was against him for a guy who ended up sucking just as bad, so I have like really no ground to stand on. But I think you're low on this guy. I think that the Browns are – God, I can't believe I'm saying this. I think they're going to be better than people think. And some people think they're going to be really good. Yeah. And this isn't me saying I think Baker's bad uh, or that the Browns are bad. In fact, it's actually the opposite. I think the Browns are going to be very, very good this year. And that's going to lead to – when we get to Nick Chubb in a, in a little yeah, bit here. Yeah, we're going to talk about that in a minute. My numbers are quite high for Nick Chubb. And that's me saying I think Baker does enough to keep them – winning games, keep the scripts positive so that they can just continue. That's what Stefanski is going to want to do. If you look over here at the, the play sheet, right around 50-50 rush pass split, 505 rush attempts to 510 pass attempts, one of the smallest aerial pies in the league and one of the largest ground pies. And I think that's going to make Baker one of those classic veteran real life not so good in, in fantasy. I think the guy is talented. And he showed some really good steps last year. He'll have some good days where the play action is really well established and he hits Odell deep and the weapons are certainly there. Donovan Peoples-Jones showing out in practice gives him only one more weapon that's dangerous on the outside. So I, I like everything around him. I love this team and this offense, but I think that actually hurts Baker from a fantasy perspective because they're going to have positive game scripts. They're going to ride that horse Nick Chubb and bludgeon teams as they have the lead with this improved defense to keep them in better spots so that's where it comes against bakers i just see no real upside fantasy wise on a team that's going to want to run as much as they possibly allowed and with an improved defense i think they're going to be allowed to run as much as they they want almost every given week all right that's a good argument uh, let's talk about the running backs instead of going right to the receivers like we did for the last two because you gotta i had to do a double take Remember earlier, I think it was our first episode of this series, I was like, wow, you got Rashad Penny with nine touchdowns. And you were like, no, I don't. And you looked and you did. I, I did a double take on this one. You Here's Chubb's line you got. 283 rushes, over 1,500 yards, 17 touchdowns on the ground. I, I bumped it down to 14 today. Oh, you did? 17 was a little bit ambitious. But 
I don't know if it's that ambitious. I got a little scared when I looked today and saw 17. I was like, oh, that's kind of fucking nuts. But then I thought about it, Nat, and you know what? I'm going to go back to 17. I'm okay. being a little bitch. I'm not going to hedge. Right. I'm going to go back. I think that was at 8% touchdown rate. So here's why, Nat. He had 12 touchdowns in 12 games, not 23 yeah. touchdowns. That's too, that's too many there. Uh, he had 12 touchdowns in 12 games last year. So that would be on pace for 16. The touchdown a game, 17 games played this season. Very realistic. But the fact that I think this defense is going to be even better this year, uh, giving him more chances, it seemed like to me, too, they were a little cute at the stripe early in the year before Chubb got hurt. Then down the stretch, they finally, when Chubb got healthy again and came back, there was definitely a a different split between him and Hunt. It was not that one, two, you know, one A, one B. It was clearly, if we're running the ball, it's going to be Nick Chubb. If we're in the red zone, it's going to be Nick Chubb. And all he did was continue to rack up the yards and touchdowns. He had 20 or more points in like all but two games in his last six contests. It was, it was incredible. And I think that's just going to continue to be their identity with an improved defense. And that's the the thing with Chubb is a lot of people are down on him in the industry saying, Everything needs to go perfect for him. Yeah, especially because of PPR. You know, people, he doesn't catch the ball a lot. And I I get that. He's not going to have a ton of catches that's going to go to Kareem Hunt uh, significantly more. But even still, everything has to go perfect for Nick Chubb for the season to be great. Well, when you have talent as good as this, again, as everybody always has the best pure runner in the NFL, I agree with that. When you have talent like that, things tend to go perfectly for him. I think the defense has improved. I think the line is the best in the league, certainly at run blocking. They return all five starters. Uh, Chubb's going to steamroll all year. And anybody trying to get too cute and say, oh, because he doesn't catch the ball, I don't want him. Fine. Give him to me all day. He was the PPR seven, the the running back seven in PPR points per game last year. All day. I'll, I'll take that every single time, even if he's not catching the ball. Derrick Henry doesn't really catch the ball either. Um, right. and, that's, and that's what they always say. I don't want Henry. I don't want Chubb. They don't catch the ball. That's too well, steep. As a guy who had Henry last year and was just in a perpetual state of arousal all season because <laughs> I had him, you know, it, it was pretty nice. Yeah. He's going right. to, he's going to steamroll and, and you know, hunt obviously behind him still a good, healthy 177 carries. There's going to be plenty of ground pie for him to have a, as carver out role. I think I might be a little bit low on his receiving here. 51 targets, 39 catches. Gotcha. I think those need to be bumped up to about 50 catches and 70 or so targets. So I'll do that in a little bit. Uh, just one of those guys that I'm not excited to draft. Like at, at that point where he goes, I'd rather take a stab at Mike Davis, a, a true f- potential oh, three down back. Uh, you know, obviously not James Robinson anymore, but Chase Edmonds maybe in that reign. Damian Harris, now Sony's gone. They're just guys with more ceiling. He's a nice floor pick, especially in PPR leagues, but I, I'm always in a ceiling chaser, so I won't own a lot of Kareem Hunt here. And, and the reason, too, in addition to that, last year I was all in because it was like the ultimate handcuff with benefits. You got a guy that's getting your points, but then if somebody ha- something happens to Chubb, he's going to be a monster. Well, he just wasn't that great as the feature guy. He was okay. He, I still think he's a great back, but he never really lit the world on fire like I expected him to be. I thought he was going to be top three every single week, and he just was okay. And that kind of lowered the ceiling to me. It's no longer like the ultimate handcuff with benefits. It's like, okay, if Chubb goes down, he's pretty good. He's mediocre. He's a little bit better than he was doing, but he's not significantly better. And that's why I'm a little bit lower on Hunt this year than I was last year. Just to be clear, Chubb's numbers, uh, six on your projection board, seven on the big board. Kareem Hunt, 30 projection-wise. You like him a little more, actually. 24 on the big board. Seems a little bit high to me, but I understand why you got him there. Yeah. Let's talk about Brown's receivers. 
I'm only I've only got stats for two. If you want to talk about uh, Peoples Jones, that's fine. And OBJ, I do, so we'll get uh, that. After. <laughs> right, so you you can throw him in at the end there. OBJ, sixty-one catches, eight forty-eight, seven touchdowns on one hundred and seven targets. How the mighty have fallen. Jarvis Landry, seventy-three catches, eight hundred and forty yards, four touchdowns on one hundred and twelve targets. You've got OBJ forty-one on your projection board. Landry, you've got 50 on your projection board. You like them both on the big board more. OBJ with a pretty wild discrepancy. You actually like him as your wide receiver, 26 on the big board, 15 spots higher than projection-wise. Landry, you like 41, nine spots higher. Yeah, I need to – and part of that is I probably need to adjust the big board. Those are some of the ones where it's like, eh, you know what? The projections, I actually am more aligned with my projections than what my gut was telling me on the big board. It does go to represent the ceiling that Beckham has. I still think – there is he's only 28 he was just a couple seasons ago the guy you wanted in fantasy the number one dynasty receiver the guy that jimmy wanted i know <laughs> you never wanted him and i'll give you that you were always off him but i always wanted him as a rookie this guy won me my league I, i've always had a soft spot for him because of that but this just isn't the best of offenses for significant and consistent receiver production. Both of those guys, especially Beckham and Landry, will be great real-life players, kind of similar to what I feel with Baker Mayfield. I just don't think there's going to be enough volume on a week-to-week basis. There is the scenario that the Browns just have this juggernaut offense and go nuts in Stefanski's year two, and there's 2,000-yard receivers, and Chubb's still doing the thing I'm projecting. I don't think that's the case because that's just – that's not Baker to me. I don't think he's going to sling it nearly enough to sustain that. It's tough, though, because I, I love the players. I think Beckham and Landry are so good at what they do in their respective roles. I just don't know that we'll ever get steady, consistent, dependable fantasy points from either one of them. But comments, please let me know. You know What do you think of this receiving core? I, I, it's a hard, this is one of the hardest offenses for me to project beyond just Nick Chubb steamrolling everybody. All right, we'll talk about Peoples-Jones. Yeah, everybody in camp is raving about this guy, the next superstar, the the player of camp. Insane hype is coming on this guy, and we know Beckham has has his you know pretty littered injury history there. If he becomes, they're they're already saying he's worked his way in as a starter in three receiver sets over Rashard Higgins. Guy averaged 17 yards a target uh, last year and pretty efficient despite being the deep threat. You only saw I think about 25 targets and hauled in nearly 70% of them, he is, he's a player. He can get down the field with the best of them. Great score. I've seen this preseason. He's made so many high-degree difficulty catches from toe taps on the sideline, diving across the middle of the field, and, of course, getting deep what he does best. The guy is a player. It's a, it's a crowded core and a low aerial pie, so I don't think you're going to get steady numbers. But as those, I always refer to those best ball drafts, your last pick at pick 18, you know, 17, this guy's going to have some weeks where he has 18 to 20 points. I don't know that you'll ever be able to depend on that in a regular seasonal format, but in best ball, I guarantee you he'll be in some of your lineups. All right. And just keeping with the tradition for the last two teams we've done, there's not really much to say about the tight end position. Austin Hooper, he's, there he is, 41 catches, 410 <laughs> yards, four touchdowns right. on 61 targets, 26 on your projection board, 19 on your big board. So, yeah. That's about it. I mean, there's nothing really to say to him. They have said that the coach did come out and say, we want to evolve his role in year two. We can use him more creatively. We can use him better. Uh, Again, uh, the case against, if I'm making a case against Beckham, a low aerial pie and a lot of mouths to feed. Well, that's not going to help Austin Hooper (laughs) of all people. And Harrison Bryant is backup. I really like, I think Bryant's a great player too. So you got a, a cheese nibbling situation 
between two pretty good players, but a low volume attack when they're fourth, fifth on the target totem pole at best. Eh, just I, I'm not going into that one at all. Remember when we were briefly excited about David Najuku? Yeah. Where where'd he go? I think he's still with the Browns, actually. Oh, God. <laughs> he's just like freak athlete. Spawned to like four on the tight end uh, draft <laughs> depth chart. Exactly right. Jesus. Okay. And it's crazy because you, you look here too, as I'm looking at the holistic numbers, like I'm projecting Landry Beckham 22, 21% market share. Like that's a good, healthy portion of targets, but it only en- amounts to 112 and 107 because of the low volume. And that's okay. why it's just one of those attacks I'm not going to be all in on. I probably need to relook at my big board now. I'm glad you pointed that out, the big discrepancy. That's one where it's like, yeah, I actually do feel closer to these projections than I do the rankings. I think with OBJ, you still you're still reflexively chasing some huge ceiling that maybe possibly doesn't exist anymore, whether yeah. it's because of talent or because of the circumstances he's in or both. I think he's still got the talent, but yeah, I, I think you're right. Like I'm, I'm just chasing the OBJ of yesteryear with that, that what we used to see. And I just don't think we're ever going to see that again, at least not in Cleveland. He needs more passing volume than what he's ever going to see. You s- said he won you a title as a rookie and you're always chasing that first buzz. It is right. You know, you always uh, want to go back to those yeah. guys that have done it for you. Like, Absolutely. That's how oh, I, I chased like Jamal Charles for like three years after it was pointless to do so. <laughs> <laughs> that one year he had with the chiefs though. Oh, oh my God. He God. was so amazing. He was oh, so amazing. All right. Let's, let's move on to the Steelers last but not least, definitely not least in the division. I would say we'll start no. with Ben Roethlisberger who has been here since the beginning of time. 401 <laughs> completion, 610 attempts. That's a, you know, that's a lot of passes. Over 4,100 yards, 32 touchdowns, 15 picks, and, you know, essentially zero rushing, which is what you would expect. That's good enough for quarterback 21 on the projection board, 19 on the big board. That seems about right to me. Yeah, I've actually even bumped him up just a little bit. And that's a 35 touchdowns uh, this morning after his arm looked really, really good this last weekend. Uh, He might have been the biggest quarterback riser, in my opinion, outside of Zach Wilson. Just there's nothing sexy, as you said, the rushing, there's no juice to him nobody's sitting out there like i can't wait to get big ben but everybody wants Najee harris everyone likes deon deonta johnson chase claypool and juju one of the best trios in the nfl and this team led the league in pass attempts last year won't happen again this year now that they have their workhorse in Najee, but still should be most likely top 10 in pass attempts the guy's gonna be among the top passers in the league this year the fact that his arm looks as good as it has in the last two to three years and they threw it till his arm fell off last year. Now he's going to have a, even a strong, more arm strength. I, I think there's so much what, what I love to call the unsexy upside. Like nobody wants him. No one's printing out to get him. But there's definite upside here. And a great, as I always like to say, if you're going for that field, Lance, you need a bridge to get there. Fitz, Big Ben, like these guys that just aren't sexy are going to be throwing it often and into great receiving cores. So I, I like Ben a lot. And I, I didn't coming into the year because I thought this might be the year just a Peyton Manning style type of crumbling. He was slinging the ball all over the yard. He had two touchdowns in a quarter of action against the Lions. An easy defense to do that against, but he was slinging it. That 40-yard pass to Deontay Johnson, it was a rope. I liked what I saw from Big Ben, and I'm expecting a much bigger season now than I was entering the season for sure. When are you doing these changes? Because I was doing my research on the Steelers like half an hour before we went on the air. <laughs> I don't know that. I, I thought I did them all right at time, but maybe it was just, uh, yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. <laughs> uh, listeners, I'm sorry. I thought I was on the ball on that one. Uh, Najee Harris, the guy you said everybody wants, 286 carries. That's a lot. 
1,230 yards, nine touchdowns on the ground. That's to go along with 74 catches on 92 targets for almost 500 yards and three touchdowns receiving. Good enough for eight on your projection board, but only 13 on the big board. Yeah, and that's a kind of – maybe it's called Clyde Edwards-Alaire syndrome. Like Mm. my projections tell you if everything goes right, what could go on for Najee Harris. I mean Mike Tomlin – fed his lead running backs from 2015 to 20, 2019, 24 opportunities a game. You don't find that in the modern NFL anymore. It, it, he loves that. He loves his workhorses. Think Le'Veon Bell. Think D'Angelo Williams when Le'Veon Bell went down. Think Connor before he became absolute dust. He loves feeding workhorses. And typically, he hadn't had a running back finish worse than running back five in points per game until Connor evaporated in dust. Uh, so, yeah, I, I really like Najee Harris, the prototypical workhorse for Tomlin great pass catching back had 40 catches last year in Alabama I think it's something like as a as a guy that's 230 pounds only Steven Jackson in the last decade had more catches in his college career so big sturdy just the prototypical Tomlin workhorse the only concern is the offensive line it is not good it was the the second worst run blocking line of last year they did not really do much to improve it in fact they lost a couple of players so i am a bit worried about that but they they we saw Najee a 50 yard catch just a, a couple of days ago i mean the guy is so dynamite in space they can move him all over the place other than mixon and gibson I love Najee Harris in round two as well as a potential number one running back. And as you said, number eight in my projections, uh, the guy is number, I think, four in my PPR projections, given the the huge target share I have him for. I think what Le'Veon Bell used to do. Uh, there's more receivers here to, to feed than what Le'Veon Bell had to contend with. So I have him fourth on the target totem pole, but still a hefty 85. Tar- like That's a lot of targets for a running back. Uh, I think Najee Harris is going to destroy it as a, uh, as a rookie this year. You know, that just – you mentioning Le'Veon Bell just made me flash back briefly. And it's like, I I know it wasn't that long ago. I feel like people have almost forgotten how amazing that guy was. What a poor career decision that yeah. Le'Veon Bell did. I mean, he was so unbelievable. He was just like printing your own money yeah. as fantasy points go. And then he takes a year off and he comes back and he's uh, Ben goes like, yeah, I'm going to go play for the Jets. Yeah, uh, good choice. I mean, <laughs> and he, and he, for less money than what the Steelers were originally offering him, like I, it just makes me angry even thinking about it. Honestly, because I, I he won me a title at least once, and man, it was so fun owning that guy. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's talk about the Steelers receiver core. You can make an argument this one's better than the Bengals one, which is was pretty great. They're comparable as far as rankings and numbers and stuff like that. But you really, I actually think I probably like this one a little more than the Bengals. Believe it or not. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, 92 catches, 874 yards, seven touchdowns on 122 targets, complemented by Deontay Johnson, 88 catches, 942 and eight touchdowns, similar numbers on 140 targets there. And then you got Chase Claypool. He was everybody's darling last year, 66 catches, 924 yards, nine touchdowns on 116 targets. Those are all pretty good numbers, especially split three ways. You got Juju at 31 on your projection board, 35 on the big board. You got Deontay Johnson, 26 on the projection board, 21 on the big board. That's your highest Steelers receiver there. Claypool, you got 21 on the projection board. That's your highest there, but down at 27. You basically have him and Deontay Johnson swapped as far as where your projection is and where you would draft them. And I think that's because Deontay comes with such a high floor. In fact, I actually bumped his targets up just a little bit before we went on air, Nat, to 146. Of course course you did. Of course I did. I dug this one up 
So there was a few times last year, if you were a Deontay Johnson owner, you know very well what it was with him. He either got hurt in the first quarter or he saw 10-plus targets and he went bananas. Every single game that he played the full game through, whether it was not an injury or there's one game he got benched for drops. So there's three games you remove there. He saw 10 or more targets in every single one of them. He would have led the NFL in targets per game. It was like 12 per 12 on average targets per game uh, in the game that he played the full full 60 minutes. I mean, that is insane for this guy, the target chart. He's so agile, so quick with the ball in his hands. And so far, he's caught everything thrown his way this preseason. I know the drops are concerned. I know those pre those quarter one injuries. He is a smaller guy that takes some big hits. So those are certainly at, at risk again. But every single week he's out there, he's he's going to see 10 plus targets. He's going to probably catch seven to eight balls, 80 ish yards. And he scores once every other game. Uh, he is as high floor in a pretty high ceiling. What if we haven't even seen his final form yet? I, I love Deontay Johnson. Claypool, the, the biggest athletic freak, like the, the monster of this crew. The fact that I saw Big Ben lighten that arm up has me that much more excited for Claypool. He can just, he's so big and fast, it's unfair. And you saw that last year, three touchdown days. The guy is, of all these guys, in terms of like who could just swing you a week, he he can really blow up. As a rookie, again, 40-point fantasy days were insane. But he also can disappear more so than the other ones. You know you're going to get consistent, steady volume for Deontay. Juju's going to be moving the chains as a nice, steady option. Claypool's the one that might not see a target in a given week and, and give you a complete goose egg, but then you might have four touchdowns the next week. So he's a little bit more boomer busty. I think that's why I've kind of flipped them. Even if the final stats might favor Claypool, especially in touchdowns, I think Deontay's just so much steadier. And Juju's just kind of like the unsexy combo of them both that he'll probably be good. I bet you he's going to pay off his price. And I still just, I, I don't own a lot of Juju. It's just Juju's like, so unsexy though. So unsexy. And it's not unsexy. We should make an unsexy team at some point. Let's do that next week. Let's just make an unsexy it's team. Just the team best guys unsexy just, team we could do. You're just like, or yeah. Yeah. Let's try that next week. You want to hear the auction values of the Pittsburgh receivers? Yeah, game? please. All right. Uh, it was Claypool 14, Juju 13, Deontay 6. <sighs> Now I'll never gonna let you live that down. That you let Deontay Johnson get away for six bucks. I don't care how stacked you were at wide receiver. Like that is ridiculous. The truth. I mean, I I don't feel great about it. The honest truth is that I was expecting somebody else to drive the price up, and they didn't. And yeah, uh, I was I was shocked that he went for there, and then I was like, ah, I should have done it. He went for less than half of both the other guys. Is uh-huh. insane. and he's yeah. the, he should be the number one one. No doubt in my mind. Yeah. Above Deontay. All right. Well, let's finish this off. Uh, Ebron, uh, you know, this is a theme of this division other than Mark Andrews tight ends that we are not going to spend much time on Eric Ebron, 46 catches, 474 yards, four touchdowns on 73 targets. Good enough for tight end 24 on both your lists. Yeah. And actually I bumped that down even a little bit because Pat Fryermuth, North Newburyport product, local boy. Love it. There's a uh, Fryermuth question in the comments. Oh, I can't wait to hear it. Uh, I actually teach with the the Friar Moose at North Andover. You know, good peeps over there. So I love to support the uh, the local guys there. And he's he's he is a great player. Big Penn State, like you know, huge body, big red zone threat. He's had two touchdowns last week in the preseason game. I, I bumped Ebron down a little bit to have Friar Moose now catching five touchdowns. Ebron only three. And it's still probably that makes it a situation more so to avoid. Whereas like Ebron might have had value if he had some touchdown upside. I think Fry is going to be the touchdown that, that when they get to the red zone, the guy they go after, whereas Ebron might be more of the yardage, the chain guy, in which case you don't really want either of them. But if I was drafting one or the other, like 
I think Fry has the most upside. I'm not going to lie. Like, I, I really like this kid. Traditionally, you know, rookie tight ends come along slowly, but he's the number two guy behind Kyle Pitts. Would have been number one in most classes when you don't have a freak unicorn like Pitts at the top. Uh, he's really interesting, maybe more so dynasty-wise than right now. I don't think either of these guys will have much redraft value, but I do like keeping my eyes on this Pat Fry. He, he's, he's a freak. Great, great athlete and good, good strong hands. Good, he's going to be a player in this league for sure. All right, that's the AFC North. That wraps everything up, so you can go get your kids and not standing there by themselves at uh, school today, Truth. But, guys, thank you so much, as always, for tuning in, catching up with us. We got one more tomorrow, 1.30 p.m. Eastern time, as you guys know. Got two great interviews lined up for Friday at 3.30 and 4.30, one with the Jags, which, of course, got way more interesting, as well as the Bears coming off uh, at 4.30 as well on Friday to wrap up this week of shows you can find all our stuff at RoadStreetJournal.com. We breed and feed fancy wolves, including these projections and my investing guide by the end of this week. If you're willing to support the site, all that money is going to be going towards revamping everything for you guys, giving you a better fantasy experience. So it would be amazing uh, if you're willing to support us, if we've helped you at all, consider doing that. And the product itself, I think, is really, really good for the price. Uh, other than that, you can find me at RoadStreetWolf, audio at Fantasy Fullback Dive. We pave your path to 2021 titles. Thank you so much for listening. Can't wait to wrap this up with you tomorrow, Nat. And I am the wolf. I'm the truth. In a world full of fantasy sheep, be the wolf, guys. Later. Later. We used to have it all, but now's our curtain call. So hold for the applause. Oh, oh, oh. And wave out to the crowd and take our final bow. Oh, it's our time to go, but at least we stole the show. 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 Stole the